This episode of Radio Techers is brought to you in part by Trip Surfer Vacations. Travel is opening up again, and we know you're ready to go. Trip Surfer Vacations has great all-inclusive packages for your next beach vacation and all the info you need to know about your next trip. So whether you're headed to the Cancun, Cozumel, Cabo, or the Caribbean, Trip Surfer Vacations has you guys covered. We even have partnerships for European adventures as well. So we know you're ready to go. Visit TripSurferVacations.com and let them know that Radio Techers sent you. Y'all have fun out there. I thought you were going to say terrible. No. I smell horrific. No, I'm not long gone out the shower. And of course, it was my birthday a couple of days ago. Oh, yeah, it's your birthday. Yeah. Birthday shower. So, one, one oh, so I got all stuff. And the wife's doing this thing where she's... I won't give out too many details because she's not just gone quite live yet. But she's getting all these smellies in for the project she's working on. So I've used a bit of that. i got some new stuff to put in my beard. Oh, mate. I smell for it. I wish you could smell me, Max. I smell amazing. Anyway, it's Monday night. So we know what that means. Can you dig it, dig it, sucker, sucker? Can you dig it, Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, and I'm going really, really slowly this week, so I fucked it up last week, and I don't want to do it again. <laughs> Wherever and whenever you may be listening or watching from, this is Chain Wrestling Live with Mags and Sai, the original, the best, the first, a Radio Techers production. I am Sai, and with me, as always, is the R fans to my D fans, yay, go sports. The Rams to my Bengals. That's why NFL references. Look at me being what? topical. The oh, Rams yeah. won and the Bengals lost. I'm not the loser in this. Can't we all just say we had a oh, good time? Hang on. I said you were the Rams to my Bengals. Do you even oh, listen to this? Fair. Do you even listen when I do I phase you out when you, when you go on, a, on your rants. A podcaster <laughs> who always insists on a shiny clean helmet before entering the end zone. Mr. Max, how are we doing this week, sir? <laughs> <laughs> put, definitely put a hood on that <laughs> nud, I suppose. Yeah, I'm doing really well. Uh, tired. It's been a long, hectic weekend, uh, but how how much fun do we have on this show? So, yeah, I'm excited to, to be here. Yes, me too. Me too. And hopefully I'll have no internet concerns like I did last <laughs> week. Get your bets in the chat. Oh, how many times goodness. does Sab blame me for his internet issues? Yeah, it's weird, because it looks to me like your end is going wrong. I mean, we were talking about it before we, before we came on out, weren't we? It looks to me like your end is going wrong. My signal mm-hmm. still says full, and you're the one freezing when I look at it. So I'm going, Max, is your internet all right? But in reality, when I play it back and I edit the audio version, I can't hear me saying, Max, is your internet all right? Because it's me that's not all right. So... <laughs> 
you you could almost say that Virgin Media was a pimple dick. Oh, absolute dicks, mate. I'm, I'm at odds with them at the moment, but that's a story for another day. But we are hardwired in this evening. Everything's been rebooted, plugged in properly, etc., etc. So hopefully we will be back to the times when I didn't have internet problems and all was good with the world. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Magsy, so then, good week, bad week? Yeah, not too bad. Um, busy. Um, UFC uh, was on uh, pretty late, but exciting. A, a really good show. Uh, the return of football. So Radio Techers, we did the double barrel. Uh, we did a Saturday game and a Sunday game. Had really good fun doing that. Me and Matt uh, just uh, having a laugh. We we took uh, Techers to some new laws in terms of uh, uh, non-football content. Uh, but yeah, we, uh, we had a great fun. Yep. Excellent stuff, mate. Excellent stuff. Well, I hurt myself this week. And I've been told... I don't know if I want to know. Well, I've been told by the wife that I need to tell this story because it made her laugh so much. Um, <laughs> I don't know what it was that started it off, but there was, you know what? You know crossing your legs, right? Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm you know, aware you sit, of like, it. Yeah, like back, back when you were a kid in the school assemblies and whatnot, you used to cross oh, your legs. Like, 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 yeah. Almost like a yoga position. Yeah, so you, but your feet are like underneath your other leg, aren't they? Right. Yeah. But but you do it like there was something that I don't know what it was. Shah might say in the chat. Um, there was something that sort of got me and Shah thinking about putting your leg on the other on the top, if that makes sense. So the so, your so right a, a proper yoga position. Okay, is that what it is? Is it? Yeah. Okay. You, so you sit cross legged, and then yeah. you untuck the bottom leg and put that on top of the the other leg. That's a yoga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, your, your right heel is on top of your left thigh, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm sat on the sofa, right? And Shah's like, "Look, I can do that easy." And I was like, "Well, you know, I'll have a go." So I got my right leg and I put it up on my left leg. No problem at all. No problem at all. Right. Put it down. Got my left leg. Put my left leg on top of my right leg. No problem at all. And I'm thinking, well, that was really, really easy. I must be more flexible than I realise. I wonder if I can do both at the same time. So I put the one leg up, but then I found that I couldn't grab because I can't just, I can't move my own leg up. I've got to grab it physically with my arm to do it. I can't just swing my leg up. Right. So the reason I have, obviously I've I've done the first part. I've realized I can, I can do it. It's just getting my leg up to that position and then it'll just drop into place, you know? Okay. So I couldn't quite reach because my other leg was up and I've got a big belly in the way and all that sort of stuff. Right. So I'm sat on the edge of the sofa and I'm thinking, well, Sharon actually said, oh, she's going to sit on the floor. It's easier. And she's all carried, carried on and, and gone on a bit. Like, and I thought, well, if I lower myself down to the floor. <laughs> Here we go. Right? If I lower myself down to the floor, the leg that's, not, tu- <laughs> the leg that's not tucked in, okay, that, the floor will naturally bring that leg up to where I want it to be. And I can just pop it in place. And I can put one hand on the sofa, lower myself down, and, away, and, and I'm in that position then. I mean, looking back in hindsight, I don't quite know how I'd have got out of it, but I'm, you know, I'm in, I've been in that position. So I thought, that's what I'm going to do. So I start lowering myself off the sofa, slip a little bit, but I'm okay, grab the leg, go down, and there's this noise, Max. I kid you not, it was like a gunshot going off. The animals all jumped and everything. It was just like this biggest almighty crack. There's like two little cracks and a massive crack on the side of my right knee. Oh, dear, dear, dear. And I, I've, ne- I've never felt pain like that in years. It was like somebody shot me. Like ligament or cartilage damage. I don't know. It just went, cr- and it was so loud, like really, really loud. <laughs> like, so the, like I said, the, the animals jumped. The wife was like, oh my God, and then started laughing. And this is where, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I hope she filmed it. That should be a TikTok on, on the chair wrestling uh, page. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, sadly, it was not filmed, and it's not going to happen again. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> she, she was honestly roaring. I've never, you know, like when you're laughing so much, your belly hurts, and there's no actual noise coming out. Mm-hmm. The old silent laugh. She did that for like three, four minutes before she calmed down to the point where she could actually make a noise whilst laughing. <laughs> you know, and how long before she actually asked if you were okay? I don't think she still has. Because <laughs> <laughs> she just doesn't give a shit. <laughs> but, it, you know, it, it's, it was a concern, like, yesterday, because I'm, I start a new job Monday. I'm thinking, oh, shit, if I've done myself a mischief and I can't go into, uh, you know. <laughs> Limping into work. Yeah. Thankfully, <laughs> I'm okay. Rolling in on a, in a wheelchair. Yeah, thankfully, I'm okay. I went into work. Uh, or, sorry, I went into work. I went to the shop earlier. And going out walking in the cold, I could feel it. And I was a bit like, oh, that's quite uncomfortable, actually. But it's not as bad as it was. So I'm thinking, I got I got to next Monday, so I should be all right. Yeah, get it wrapped. Uh, keep some heat on it. Hopefully it'll recover. But you're a, listen, you're old as fuck. You, you are not in the best of health. You are not. That is not the thing for you. That is not your type of yoga. You stick to down dog and um, warrior two and tree positions. Don't try doing leg gymnastics. I don't even know what any of that means. <laughs> you know? Tree tree. I was a tree in a school play. <laughs> and that was the, the pinnacle of your yeah. acting career <laughs> me and my mate we're, we're, I mean, I'm, I'm literally just a smidge below six foot and my mate's the same height as me and we've been this height since we were god knows how, how young we were even in junior school we weren't this big in junior school but we were big kids in junior school so whenever there was um, a, a scene that's um, requiring I don't know, a lamppost or a tree or something <laughs> like that, right? That was my role. <laughs> and I, I, they literally, they'd or have, a rod, sand. <laughs> yeah, and they'd have, like, for the tree, for argument's sake, they'd have, like, the, um, the uh, I don't know, sort of, like, the, the funny tissuey paper stuff, but massive sheets of it. Like crepe paper. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's the one. And they just wrap me up in the brown stuff, <laughs> right? Just and no effort some, whatsoever. No, no, no. I literally <laughs> just wrap me up and put a bit of tape on it and then give me some green stuff to hold in my hands. And I'd literally just stand there with my arms in the air and I'd be a tree for however long this scene would be. Wow, classic. I was a good fucking tree, though, mate. <laughs> I brought depth to the character. I'll tell you that now. <laughs> Think like a tree. Uh, something else I want to quickly uh, bring to everyone's attention. We've had conversations in the past about my son, about how I play tricks on him and wind him up, and how we can, you know, as much as he is my boy, I love him to bits. He can be quite dopey. Okay. We found out yesterday or last night whilst watching the Super Bowl that until very, very recently, and I'm talking incredibly recently, my 18-year-old son for years thought that when somebody went into the WWE Hall of Fame and they were given a ring, he thought they were given a wrestling ring. <laughs> I mean, the may do as well. And he said, the one that is the one that really sticks up, this shows how long ago this, this has been going on, for how long he's had this thought process. He explains that he can specifically remember Mick Foley going in, whether he watched it with me or watched it on a rerun on the network. And he thought to himself, how's that old man going to get his wrestling ring home after the event? Well, surely they'd deliver it. Well, you wouldn't expect him to walk out like with all the frame. I mean, the more pertinent question is, where would Ric Flair keep all three of the, his wrestling rings? He'd have to sell them to pay off his wives, wouldn't he? <laughs> so that's not an issue. 
Brilliant. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Magsy, should we have a quick jump into the chat before we get on to our usual segments? Yes, sir. And the chat is on fire, as always this week. Uh, Matt coming in very early. I think he commented last Tuesday in preparation for, for this show. He's a... Uh, very very uh, very uh, punctual this week let's hope he stays awake uh, and is able to stick around for the volley we'll see um, Dan uh, Griffin in the chat followed by other Council of Dan member Scottish Dan um, Sharon in the chat it's Monday night you know what that means and she's also she's going to be sending um I mean, sending it me, will Mrs. Mags will be the one that used it, uh, the, uh, a gift package, so that'll be absolutely Oh, there amazing. you go. So next time you kiss, when, when, when that arrives, the next time you kiss your wife, you'll be thinking of me, because she'll smell like me. <laughs> I mean, I already have to pick the air out of my teeth anyway, so <laughs> no, no difference there. Um, Matt, uh, being pedantic as per, corrected me for saying uh, bonsoir uh, instead of bonjour, uh, and then the, the chat... Um, just having a, a jolly old time um, between themselves. Uh, Dan saying the the shiny clean helmet made me laugh so hard I hurt my back. Well, try <laughs> a yoga position. Maybe yeah. like try and put both your ankles above each other. That side it, it clearly Be worked a from tree. him. Uh, Matt saying he got three to one odds. Uh, uh, he'll give on on size internet going. I mean that's that's worth taking up. I might have to slide a, a, a bet in his. Uh, in there, um, at Dan Griffin uh, from Sharon, you sound almost as old as 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 Sir. I mean, I am what I'm a year older than you are as well. Yeah, yeah, like a year and a couple so, of days, isn't it? But I, I look, I don't look at. Uh, I've aged very well. Yeah, right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dan comes back says I've uh, I put my back out over a week or bringing the shopping in. I was housebound for four days. From bringing the shopping in, what the yeah. fuck did you order? We need some more. Uh, we need some more on that. Um, was that was that the standard man thing though? All the bags at once. I'm not giving in. Yeah, you know, I, t- this is one trip. I'm only yeah. doing one trip. I'm not going back. Tins of dog food, <laughs> cases of beer, bottles mm-hmm. of milk, all the heavy shit. You know. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm very much like that. Uh, Sharon, um, laughing at you uh, and nearly Peter pants because of how uh, ridiculous you are. And saying is this appropriate? Uh, Indian style, they call it in America. I'm assuming it means the 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 way you were sitting. Um, did oh, Sadhu okay. a one man nutcracker? Did you damage the the family jewels, sir? No, because literally my leg went crack before it reached the floor, and I just <laughs> kind of screamed. And I, I don't actually remember unraveling myself, so to speak. But there was this almighty crack, and by the time I hit the floor, I wasn't tied up anymore. So. Then we've got a Scottish daddy saying, Kevin Nash feels your pain. Jesus Christ. He's He'd got, make a good he, tree. He, well, that, <laughs> and also he's got legs made out of Weetabix. Yeah. <laughs> Get yourself on DDP Yoga. Now, um, mm. I've actually got the full collection of DDP Yoga if you if you want me to fire it across to you. It's, oh, okay. It's not your mum's yoga. Just it's let's, not. Uh, uh, at Dan Griffin, uh, no, I don't know. He's got some pretty strong anti-vax opinions. Yeah, but he's also doing pretty well to say he's like ninety-five years old, still looking as good as he does. Um, and then, yeah, pretty much the 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 rest of the the CWF just having an amazing chat between themselves. I absolutely love it. It's brilliant. Great stuff. Great stuff. And again, as always, we thank you so so much for everyone for joining us for getting involved on Twitter. Uh, 
boating in the pole, which obviously we'll come to in a bit, and so on. Dan Griffin there giving us more info about the shopping incident. What we've got there, Mags? There we go. So he said he did carry it all in at once, so he's made the, the typical mistake. Weekly shop for three people. He had to awkwardly swerve to avoid his toddler niece, pulled every muscle in his lower back. Jesus Christ, that. That's the one of the worst as well, though, the back, because mm. even you just you feel like you're almost a robot in the way you have to move it's ridiculous you've got to compensate for everything at least if it's a leg you can kind of hobble along but with mm. your back it's just every movement is painful so i feel for you there sir yeah i fully sympathize well, i've mentioned before on the show that i've had quite bad back problems mm-hmm. well, about 10 11 years ago it started so i fully sympathize with that totally it's, it's horrific and you don't realize until you're suffering with it and it sounds a silly statement really but you don't realize how much you actually use your back even just mm-hmm. as simple as breathing in and out was yeah. painful. Yeah. You know, and, and anything at all, just, oh, yeah, but really witnessing bad. somebody with back in back pain is hilarious. So there's... God, there's, you're such a bastard. There's two sides <laughs> to every coin. Because you're such a nasty git sometimes, aren't you? Eh? Such I'm, a nasty I'm git. leaving it at this comment. The worst part about back pain is to struggle to wipe one's ass. That's where you need a B-day, sir. Get a B-day. I'll tell you what, right? Me and Dan actually messaged about this, believe it or not, our swiping. But it weren't just like we were having a conversation about <laughs> It was to do with him having a bad back. Have a look at this side. Does that look normal yeah. to you? <laughs> so what, when, when my back was bad, I used to have to... I, I physically couldn't. I mean, I'm right-handed, you know? I physically okay. couldn't position my arm and hand in the right area to, to commit this, to a full... This is a wrestling show folks this yeah is, oh yeah totally yeah. you will not get this on fireful overbooked let me tell you <laughs> so have you ever tried to i'll tell you what i encourage everyone to go and do it today tomorrow when your next <laughs> should we say when your next movement is shall we say go and walk your ass with the wrong hand just give it a go it's fucking weird it's really strange it's even worse than trying to write with your wrong hand it is strange man what I mean is this a radio techers watch on live stream? The 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 conversation we're having is not appropriate. <laughs> well, as as Dan, we yeah, Scottish Danny says, videos, or we don't this want, is we, don't. <laughs> we want four K videos in small no, more of you struggling to wipe your ring piece. We do not want videos. We do not want pictures. You know, in fact, to be honest, I probably don't really want any feed. In fact, forget forget I said anything. No, okay. Okay, that's Kevin Nash. That's makes the a good CWF <laughs> homework for this week. We want we want uh, you to recount. That's next week's non uh, non wrestling topic. Well, we're, <laughs> I'm calling it now. We want your experiences of wiping your ass with your with your gimpy hand. Your gimpy hand. <laughs> that's what it's called. When that's how I've always referred to it. That the hand that my right hand might as well be useless. I can't do anything with it. It's I'm just, I'm the most left-handed person that you'll ever, ever, ever know. Uh, so this is the gimp hand, because uh, mm. it, it just might as well not be there. I didn't know you were left-handed. Yeah. I suppose, why would I? Well, yeah, you've never asked. <laughs> and yeah. that's, why I, that's why you're my third favourite podcast wife. Mm. I mean, just I, I, don't pay attention. I don't think I've really ever noticed your hands either, because when, when we're we only ever speak like this, there they are. We are, when we speak like this, you're, you, you're kind of like Davros from Doctor Who, aren't you? Because we don't know what what goes on below sort of nipple height. We don't know what's there. So I, I, I also get I also get accused of having no legs. Uh, yes, this from is true. Five Nerds Go, quite regularly. I, I do have legs. 
they don't work very well. I've, I've abused them. Uh, we've we've uh, been uh, run over and, and, and swing incidents. But yeah, they're still attached by, I think, hopes and dreams. That's what you should do when we when we get through to have the this year's Halloween special, Maxi. That should be your fancy dress. You should dress up as Davros and just, oh, just legs, to, just, 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 just a pair of legs. legs. <laughs> just just literally a pair. Of, so your head would be sort of in the middle of the legs. So where are you talking out of? Well, would it be brown <laughs> or would it be yellow? Who knows? We'll well, which hand would you? It's, no, never mind. It's big enough. <laughs> it's, it's, it's about the, the same size-ish. Yeah, I can oh, pull it off. Dear me, dear me. Uh, Magsy, should we get to something chirpy or something that makes me cross? I think we need to uh, we need to balance this, this out. That's been absolutely hilarious first fifteen minutes. Uh, but you uh, you have got something you want to say. Um, so shall we? Go for the pimple dick for this week. Yes, let's. Pimple dick alert! Oh, a teeny weeny. Yes, indeed. Now, this is something that I don't want to spend masses of time on because of the timing of it and the timing of our show means other people have covered it so much and spoke about it so much way before we've had an opportunity. Mm-hmm. However, it's something I am... I, I, I really have uh, I really have to express a feeling upon because I feel quite strongly about it and as soon as I say this guy's name people are going to know exactly where I'm going Kurt Zuma you are a piece of shit mm-hmm. you are an absolute piece of shit anyone who's unaware and I can't see how anyone in our chat or listening to the audio version of the podcast later in the week would be unaware but just in case a video surfaced of a gentleman called Kurt Zuma who is a footballer for West Ham United in the UK he um, is, is filmed slapping, kicking, shoving, and just being generally vile to his cat and thinking it's bloody hysterical. Now, as everyone knows, in the last couple of years, I've become very, very attached to my cats. I've never had any interest in, in animals or cats or, or anything until Lemmy was born. And since then, it's completely... Again, I guess it's an age thing. I've softened up loads. You know, <laughs> I, I grew up with cats because my mum my mom and dad used to breed them for shows. So they were a nuisance to me. There were so many of them in the house. I mean, at one stage, there was 20 odd cats in different uh, different areas, oh, different Jesus. cat dens, di- different, um, different uh, they had a massive run outside. They had, they had a fantastic life, but there's just so many of them. Um, I wasn't a big fan. Now is different. And I'm not going to lie, when I saw this poor cat coming up to its owner and getting literally slapped across its mush, it, it broke my heart. Because that cat doesn't understand what's going on. It's horrific behaviour against a defenceless animal that you could really cause some serious, serious, serious damage to. Absolutely freaking disgusting behaviour. Terrible behaviour. Again, like I said, it's been covered left, right and centre by various other people. So, um, West Ham United needs to do more, I think, to deal with the situation because he played the following week and the following game, sorry. And I think that's disgusting. I think the FA... Uh, even 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 going above that, the police, the government, whoever need to step in and just just get this dealt with because that is disgusting. And when you have someone in the public eye, such as Zuma, if he behaves that way on a video with thousands of followers, he needs to be held accountable because if he doesn't, other people are going to think that that's okay to behave that way. Yeah, you know, I a hundred percent agree. Um, and what's I mean, it, it's a horrific in any kind of scenario but what makes it more um makes me more angry about it is that it was clearly done for for entertainment now i am not at all condoning uh um 
hitting any any animal uh, because you're angry at it or because it's done something wrong. That that's not how animals learn. But that he was doing that for the entertainment of of the kids and the entertainment of his brother filming it. It's ridiculous. He's uh, and as Dan has said uh, in the chat, he's an absolute piece of shit. Um, Sharon, there's a special place in hell for him. And I'll even go as far to say um, West Ham have have disappointed me with their stance yes. in this. Um, now the the guy who filmed the video was Kurt's brother. He played for uh, played for a club called Dagenham. They uh, they released him because of the the fallout from this video. He didn't. Oh, play I was again. not aware of that. <clears throat> and I've got a special hatred for Dagenham and Beveridge. So the fact that they've done that and that that's that's good. I'm glad about mm-hmm. that. And for me to say that about Dagenham is a big deal because I fucking hate Dagenham. <laughs> but but for for West Ham uh, to to play Zuma, to mm-hmm. not, to, I think they only found him two weeks' wages. Um, it's it's a slap on the wrist for yeah. for a millionaire footballer on hundreds of thousands a week. Um, that is an absolute slap on the wrist. And the only reason he didn't play this past weekend is because his own fans were booing him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they claimed that he, he, he'd taken ill. Absolutely, he wasn't taken ill. He was on that team sheet, and me, uh, Matt and myself had to change it on the fly because it got replaced uh, with minutes of the, the match to, uh, before yeah. the match kicked off. Yeah, it's, it's horrific the way it's been dealt with. Uh, it's horrific. And another thing that has, has been quite upsetting about it for, for me is the number of footballers coming out and using whataboutism to, to right. kind of justify him. Yeah. So um, a West Ham player, and I, I don't want to throw the name out because I'm not 100% sure which West Ham player it is, uh, but essentially they were asked whilst they're leaving the ground what they thought of Kurt Zuma and his, and his actions. Uh, and instead of... Um, Instead of uh, rightly uh, chastising uh, Kurt and saying this is not acceptable, they went into a, a rant about how uh, how people who are racist aren't punished. And mm-hmm. I, I get the point. People who are racist should be absolutely punished. Nicole Antonio. Is that who it was? It I, was I thought that it was. That was the next thing I was going to get to. Um, I, my, I literally, my note in front of me says, Nicole Antonio can get in the fucking bin as well. Because... Yeah. It's trying to. It's almost a diversion from what he's done. Yeah, it's now, what about I, him? That's that's yeah, the name yeah. for it. I don't give a rat's ass if you're black, Chinese, white, grey, purple, orange. I don't. I don't freaking care. You know, it, it's irrelevant to me. If you hurt an animal, you're a piece of shit, and that's mm-hmm. the thing that's being brought in front of us now on this charge. He's a piece of shit because he hurt an animal. Yeah. Any racism issues in football are separate to this. They should be dealt with severely and with like the, the most powerful punishments anyone can dish out mm-hmm. but that's not what we're looking at right now and we're not looking at Zuma in this way because he's a black footballer we're looking at Zuma in this way because he's a piece of shit who hurt a defenseless animal and that's why he's he's up this week as being a pimple dick he's a fucking asshole he's a scumbag and ultimately as I mentioned Maxie, it led to me getting a, in trouble in a little bit of hot water with Twitter this week Oh wow! So that was the that was the reason you got your suspension. Was yes. it? Did you at Kurt Zuma in a, yeah. in a tweet? Yeah, yeah. I literally I, I saw the video and I straight away tweeted him directly. And I, I, you know, you click on the name Kurt Zuma and there's loads of people talking about it. 
Mm-hmm. I, I, I tagged him in the tweet. I, I directed it at him, which I'm guessing is where the the thing happened. It's 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 done. You know, it's you know. I'll edit a little bit because there's certain words in there that I don't think that I should say on on this station. Um, but I called him the c word. I called him a fucking scumbag and a piece of shit. Naughty, naughty. That was it. Um, okay. Twitter do be suspending people for for the the slatter swear words now though it's it's ridiculous. Now this is the issue I have, and again I don't want to get bogged down into this too much because we've still got plenty to talk about with the show that's that's more lighthearted than this. But when I took when I, when I received the, the notification that I was suspended for twelve hours, and it said that I, I have to delete the tweet and so on, I was like, well, okay, but what for? Now I, I understand it's abusive language. It's it's. I mean, I use the C word. It's the the, the worst of the worst. But I believe that's what the guy um, he, he he deserves worse than that, in my opinion. Yeah. However, it's a social media platform. I fully appreciate that there are regulations and so on. So I clicked on the terms and conditions, and uh, uh, there's reams and reams of it, pages and pages and pages as to what they said I had violated with this tweet. Uh, and I scrolled through it all, and there's nothing actually in that tweet that went against what they said I had done. Okay. It was all about, there was no reference to abusive language. There was no reference to certain swear words. And I, I read this two or three times because I wanted to really make sure. There was reference to race, if I was being in any way racist. There was reference to um, body shaming. There was references to, you know, all the very nasty, vile behaviours that that should warrant a certain aspect of of damages or certain, should warrant a certain aspect of, um, you know, repercussions for that behaviour. You know, racism, sexism, you know, homophobia, all, all those, you know, the, the stuff that shouldn't happen, but sadly in certain corners of the internet and the world it still does. Nowhere did it say in this five or six page stream thing that they sent me directly as the reason for my suspension, did it state anything about using certain swear words or being abusive? Okay. So I've... Not- you, I've they normally blanket cover it with targeted harassment. No, it, no, it, it, it didn't. It, I didn't have that on there. Wow! It literally, and that's what threw me because I was expecting something like abusive. I was expecting something like, well, like you said, targeted harassment. I was expecting something like this because it is a generic thing you get sent out, but mine didn't. Mm, and that's what threw me. So I've actually emailed Twitter, and I probably will get a response because they're fucking useless. But I've actually emailed Twitter to ask them to explain further. Because I want to know exactly the specific reason why I got served with a, with a suspension on Twitter. Because if they're putting it down to some form of other, you know, ill behaviour, then I want that explained because that's not what happened at all. So. No. You called out a scumbag for doing scumbag moves. Um, exactly. Ironic that the scumbag booting a cat uh, was not was not suspended from Twitter. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, definitely. That pass that puzzles me. And then you get other people as well who who you know were were familiar with with these individuals who are quite uh, well known in our circles for being pieces of shit and calling people names and treating people in vile ways. Nothing ever seems to happen to them either. No, no. Twitter's a bit not. ass backwards there, mate, isn't it? Twitter's a bit it ass is. backwards. So it went from uh, slating Kurt Zuma to just um, a, a commentary on social media in general. Yes, there you go, then. That's a high, high, bright and informative this show is, Mags. <laughs> so then, Magsy, shall we look at something a little bit more light-hearted, but probably also as ridiculous? Let's do it. The 
of lame. lame. Indeed. What are we chucking in this week, Mags? So, this week, I want to throw in the World Bodybuilding Federation. Oh. Here he comes, Jerry Stridham. Wow, take a look at that. Hop hat and cane. Talk about stepping out for a night on the town. Oh, my goodness. Look at that mass! Holy cow! Ooh, look at this creation! Jerry Spryton is pumped up! My chest, give it to him! So, back things. Well, Lex wasn't even the start of it. So back in 1991, Vince, obviously Vince has, has had a lifelong obsession with bodybuilding. Um, but in 1991, he wanted to compete with the International Federation for Bodybuilding. Uh, he started poaching um, high-level staff from that, that organisation. And he eventually created the World Bodybuilding Federation in, in uh, 1991. Um he he had a, an aim of kind of um, making bodybuilding as as big as wrestling, where it was um, a huge deal, and he started uh, promising that there would be hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of prizes, uh, trying to attract the big name bodybuilders into into the company uh, for exclusive deals. Um, didn't last very long. They held their inaugural um, championship, if you want to call it that, uh, on June the 15th, 1991. Uh, it was a pay-per-view. Um, didn't get the, the best of, uh, of reviews. Um, and then they held the second one uh, around about a year later. Um, but there was uh, something that happened in between that kind of... Uh, Put the carbosh on that that second one. The uh, the steroid scandals that uh, Vince <laughs> Vince was heavily involved in. So that second uh, championship was a commercial flop. It cost an absolute fortune for WWE, and they only got three thousand bars. Why? Wow. Um, so they they essentially. Um, Luke was brought in to kind of give it a little bit of pizzazz. Um, he was meant to kind of be the face of the company. Um, didn't really pan off. The the best we saw of Luger in in the the WBF was him struggling to drink a half pint of milk on camera whilst wearing a a, a, a muscle shirt that was about three or four sizes too small for him. But yeah, the, uh, the company essentially folded. Um, um, in the middle of, of 1992, so lasted just over a year. Um, but Vince does this; he throws a hell of a lot of shit at the wall. Uh, unfortunately, this one, this one didn't stick. Uh, but yeah, this week's entrant from me is the the World Bodybuilding Federation. That's fantastic. And from that, we ended up with the narcissist Lex Luger, and obviously all the Lex Express stuff, and and so on. So yeah, yeah what a tosser. Oh, what a time to be alive that was. <laughs> uh, Magsy, I'm going back a couple of years earlier than that, but it still does involve someone, well, people from WCW and some silliness. Uh, I would like to throw in to the Hall of Lame and throw into the deepest, darkest pit of the Hall of Lame to, just to get them as far away from everyone else as possible. A, in early 1989, there's some aspects of the NWA, WCW that 
were envious of the WWF. WWF was huge cartoon characters. Hogan was massive in 89, going into 90. Savage and all this sort of stuff. Larger than life characters, whereas the NWA was very much dingy, proper wrestling. As far uh, in my in my view, the, the product in ring in 89 was far better than the other channel. But mm-hmm. it wasn't attracting the youngsters so much. So the guy in charge of WCW, he decided he was going to change things up a little bit, try and make things a little bit more, a little bit more WWF-esque, I suppose. But one idea this individual had, uh, and incidentally, Ric Flair was part of the booking committee at this time as well, apparently. I don't know how much influence he actually had, but he had a say, which makes it kind of ironic. He wanted to, to he looked at the Bushwhackers, basically, a tag team who were the sheep herders, who were uh, quite a serious, violent, aggressive, scary mm-hmm. tag team. And they were hugely popular in the WWF in, in this period when they were, as the Bushwhackers, as the cartoony, you know, licking people and arms up and down and all that sort, sort of nonsense. You know, not great to watch from a wrestling standpoint, but the kids loved them. Mm-hmm. That was kind of what WCW, the NWA, was looking to do. So they took a team. Um, I believe they were called the Rock and Roll Rebels at one stage. Do it, who did who wrestled on small independents never really became a big big thing they held a couple of tag titles on a few independent companies and they decided to create what i think is potentially the worst tag team of all time and this week i give to you the ding dongs <laughs> For those of you that are unaware, (laughs) (laughs) oh my word, the Ding Dongs were basically dressed in complete bodysuits, orange bodysuits, so they looked like freaking Morph off um, the Tony Hart program, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, they looked like Morph, a little plasticine man. They had bells drawn on to their costumes, and they had bells tied to their wrists. uh, One of them had some on his knee pads, one of them had some on his ankles, and they used to carry a big bell around (laughs) <laughs> they would hang on the turnbuckle as a tag team of course they've got their own corner so when one of them was struggling in the ring they would hopefully get the kids to encourage the other member of the ding dong to ring the bell and apparently this would get the the the, the, uh, the team member in the ring who was struggling this would fire them up a la hulking up or the warrior shaking the ropes ringing this bell would would fire them up so that was that was the theory behind the ding dongs however uh, one early match, potentially their debut. Um, not the first time Soyuz had, had his offering of a ding-dong laughed at on Valentine's Day, Dan Griffin says in the chat. That is fantastic. Well done. And you're right, it's not. But anyway, that's a story <laughs> for a different day. <laughs> the, the, one of the first matches they had was on a Clash of Champions show. And the the, the crowd hated them. They were openly booed. And it's you know, JR on commentary is embarrassed. And, and you can tell he's not enjoying this whatsoever. There's another match on... Um, on a on YouTube somewhere, I think it's a TV taping. I'll attach it to Paul of Lane tweets later on, where Paulie dangerously is commentating with I think Jim Ross again, and he actually asks what their names are. To which the color commentator responds, "The smaller guy, that's Ding. The other guy, his name is Dong." So it's Paulie Dangerously delivers the brilliant line, because he's he's ripping the piss out of his team the whole way through the match. Paulie Dangerously delivers the brilliant line. Okay, so we've got a little ding and a large dong. To which you can hear them both giggling like little kids and trying not to sort of break character on 
on screen. Uh, but yeah, they didn't last very long. Very quickly, the, the booking committee in WCW realized this was an absolute mistake, an absolute disaster. And within, I, I think, a few months, they were done and dusted. But yeah, I give you the ding-dongs. Go and look them up. You have to see it to believe it. I mean, the stories I've heard is that they were actually uh, they were actually going to be booked to, to be become champions. Yeah, but yeah. a lot a lot of uh, a lot of the the other teams were a little bit upset with that because they were always working stiff. Oh dear, dear, dear! Oh, that's a bad one. That's a bad one. They were supposed <laughs> to be because the because the popularity that they they thought they were going to get, they were going to start. Um, there was ideas for orange ding dong t shirts. <laughs> Jesus, right? Wet. There was ideas for bells that the kids would hold in the, in in the crowd, and when when the other guy rang, so say for example, Ding was in the ring and the large dong rang the bell on their side, he would encourage the children to ring their merchandise ding dong bell on the outside as well and they were going to be they had big hopes for these guys make to make them a lot of money and ultimately i guess potentially win the tag team championships how does a human being come up with the idea of of people essentially dressed and named like dicks yeah that they would sell bell merchandise to kids for them to encourage to dick character wrestlers it, can you imagine being in the crowd? Can you imagine being in the crowd and all those kids ringing bells all the time? That drives me sodding mad. And then you look in the ring and you go, "Ah, I've come to a WCW show." Yes, NWA. So there we go. Those are our entrants this week into the Chain Wrestling Hall of Lame. We have the WBF Vince's efforts into bodybuilding that fell completely on its steroid-injected arse. And we have the WCW team, the Ding Dongs. Again, got to see them to believe it. It's beyond belief. As always, pictures of these images of the people who go into the Hall of Lame get tweeted out after the show if anyone wants to have a look. And I'll try and tag a match somewhere as well so you can have a little look at those. But yeah. No, probably no. In fact, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be guilty of, of that. You go and look yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> it's on your own head. <laughs> yeah, just look at it on YouTube. It's, it's not a good look. Oh, Magsy, should we jump to Twitter, my friend, and have a look at what else we've got going on? Yes, we shall, sir. Boom. Okie doke. Our non-wrestling topic this week, considering it is Valentine's Day today, the day of recording, the day of being live, uh, is Valentine's Day stroke romance kind of stories i guess mm-hmm. great awful gifts <laughs> and we got some bloody doozies mr griffin <laughs> in the chat yeah mr griffin oh uh good bad dates romantic disasters great romantic stories all that sort of stuff so we'll have a quick run through twitter i'll go through them in the order they arrived into us again mr max mm-hmm. we will start with ja ja at uh-huh. 80s and 90s wrestling on twitter there we go. Excellent stuff. He says, oh, hang on, have I got that right? Professional as ever. Look at this. I was new to the dating game. I took my then girlfriend to Burnley away with Wolves. It was a Tuesday night and freezing. Now we are happily married of 10 years this year. We won 1-0. Worst of all, I thought <laughs> worst of all, I thought I was splashing out instead of just getting flowers. Brilliant. I mean, to be fair. The ticket was 18 quid. So yeah, it's two. Yeah, exactly. So he's done well there. That's a that's a, a great gift. I mean, yeah. versus Wolves. Hmm, 
it's it could have been a better game, but you you, you play the card that you were dealt. I think Jar's uh, uh, done a, a great job there. Yeah, no wonder she married him. She must have thought this is the man for me. A cold, wet Tuesday on the turf. Wow, he loves yeah. me. He really loves That's me. It. Taking me to turf more. Oh my <laughs> word. That's it, eh? That, that's that's every lady's dream. I'm amazed me and Sharon are still together because I've not took her to Turf Moor yet. Well, I mean, if she rocks up up, up these ends, we'll 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 double date going to Turf Moor. That sounds fantastic, Sharon. Let us know in the chat. You up for that? Yeah, double date with Mr. Mags and Mrs. Mags going to Turf Moor. Watch Burnley play. I mean, it'll be Championship football because it won't be till next year we're going. But um. Ooh. <laughs> rude <laughs> Dan Griffin in the chat and oh, on Twitter here our good friend of the show let's get ready for this Brilliant. at Dan Griffin 21 he says here he did actually pretext this as well with it's quite depressing I don't have to read it out if you don't want to but it's like no I'm going to because this gonna. is depressing for you and hilarious for us oh mate a <laughs> little bit my entire <laughs> my entire love life is a car crash he says here some highlights uh, his first girlfriend when he was 18 cheated on him with one of his mates I think we've all been there haven't we at some point yeah when you've got that social circle and when you're young and you know some people are sort of with somebody and then they're with somebody else the next week I guess mm-hmm. so um, he said the girl he was seeing once used his credit card to write permission, stealing money from him. Oof, that, that's, that's grim. Yeah, that's not a reflection on you, my friend. That's a reflection on her. She is, yeah. she is, she is bad news. Uh, most recently, got kicked to the curb, so an ex of his could get back together with her pregnant ex. So is this? Uh, so this lady who's kicked you to the curb has got back with her pregnant ex. So she swings both ways. Is that right? I'm sure he'll clear that up yeah. in, in in the chat, but that that's a sentence that that you read it and it makes sense. Yeah. But but fitting the the parts together, um, yeah, kind of dumped all. Yeah, give us a bit of clarity on that one, Dan. Yeah, if you would, please, mate. If you would, uh, Dan continues. There was also the woman I met while she was working at a bar. Always a good place to to meet the ladies. I find, Magsy. <laughs> well, yeah. And uh, they hit it off. She gave me her number and then stood me up every time we arranged to meet. But she'd come into my work to see me and didn't skimp on the PDAs. PDAs. So public displays of affection. Oh, okay, right, yeah. So I was confused as fuck because I was still getting stood up all the time. Turned out she was using me as an ego boost because her ex left her not long before we met. This went on for weeks. I wonder why I have trust issues. Yeah. See again, mate. It's not a reflection on you. It's yeah, a reflection on them. That's, that's definitely that's definitely not uh, a Dan issue. That's uh, that's definitely a her, her issue and scumbag move. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, yeah. it's the way of the world. Both men and women uh, do that rebound thing, um, and unfortunately, people do get caught in the crossfire. Um, but yeah, don't. That's not a uh, not a reflection on you whatsoever, sir. Yeah, of course not, mate. Of course not. We love you. Well, you know, we all have you. You're all you right. Well, you're a bit, you're a bit nasty tonight, mate. Yeah, you? you're a bit, you're a bit of an edge. I, to I, you, I tweeted him saying that we had his back at all times, so I, he knows I love him. He knows <laughs> I do. Uh, Scottish Danny at Scottish Juggalo on Twitter, good friend of the show. He says here, three years ago, me and the missus got a takeaway. 
the delivery was 30 minutes like this i mean three years ago for valentine's day obviously <laughs> the, no, it's just a random day just a, it yeah. no, a one november it was, we it was a tuesday <laughs> and i said to myself i'm feeling peckish lady what shall we eat um <laughs> the delivery was 30 minutes late and the pizza was cold the missus kicked off big time and it all ended with Mr. Takeaway Man angrily protesting from the safety of his own car for an hour with a scowl on his face. Uh, apparently, the cheeky bugger he continues here wanted an extra £5 too, as well as paying for the cold pizza that was, you know, 30 minutes late. Missus told him and the pizza to go piss up a rope, which is a saying I've not heard before and that really tickled me when I first read it. <laughs> go piss I've up a rope. I've never heard of that. I've <laughs> literally never heard that before. Oh, uh, he waited in his car, uh, speaking to his boss on loudspeaker. After he left, they just ordered the McDonald's. <laughs> Fair enough. Brilliant. And then he clear, he says the pizza probably ended up like Walter White's out of uh, Breaking Bad, which is a brilliant, brilliant image. Oh, see, I want pizza, now. I'm actually Stop. really, really hungry. I don't know if my microphone's picking it up, but my belly is literally going all the time since we started pressing, since we pressed record. My belly's been rumbling like loads. Maybe it wasn't a good idea talking about Valentine's Day dates. Mm. Yeah, I want pizza. Anyway, Michael Rag on Twitter, at Raggy89. Hello, sir. He says here, a few years back, I broke up with my fiancé because I had to work. So at the time, he was a duty manager in a famous British pub chain. And as manager, you have to work certain holidays. He was drawn out to work Valentine's Day. Thought he would spend it, thought we would spend it together the day after. Uh, he said, no, they didn't live together, but he thought the day after, when he wasn't working, he would uh, he would spend time with his partner. He told her he was working, and she said, that's okay, cool, thought that, thought that he would be. Uh, he then gets a phone call mid-shift, asking where all her presents are. Told her I would give them her tomorrow, but she was more bothered about presents than me, so he broke it off. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. That's fair. I mean, clearly she was only after the presents. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough, mate. Fair enough. And and you had got uh, the concern is you got to the point of being engaged to this woman, seeing as she was your fiance, and it it took not getting some Valentine's Day gifts on Valentine's for it for the argument to to kick off mm. uh, to the point where you broke up with her. That's a a little bit concerning. Uh, but he did say uh, after you asked him if he kept the receipts. Absolutely, so he, yeah. he got his money, money back. Win-win. Win-win. Yeah, that's it. I had a friend who you know, I knew through, mainly through football, really, but I've known him for decades, who he had sort of like an on-again, off-again girlfriend, and he would purposely break up with her. When it when it came to the, 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 the sort of time we were going out for a drink for my birthday, which is okay. the 12th of February, he would call it off of her. And then he would get back with her on the 15th, 16th, just so he didn't have to get her a Valentine's card. But he did this for like wow. three years. He did this for three years. That's tormenting. And she didn't twig at all. But they weren't like, they, they were together for years, but they were really on again, off again. So they break up one week, get back together the next week. It was very sort of a, a crazy relationship, really. So yeah. it wasn't out of character. Toxic. Yeah, it wasn't out of character for that kind of, that kind of relationship they had. But it was just funny. Like I mean, one, one year he's literally saying to her, oh yeah, okay. Uh, we're going out for your birthday, ain't we? Hang on, I just got a phone call to make. It was that kind of scenario. It was almost like my birthday triggered him to remember, I don't want to spend money out on buying her flowers and shit. Sod that. So you know? it, it, it probably just broke up with her three times a year. Christmas, her birthday, yeah. Valentine's Day. So maybe it was just, I, I, I like her, 
She, but I don't want to spend any money on her. Yeah, so that would make sense, to be honest. But I, I don't remember birthday and Christmas standing out. I remember Valentine's Day because it being so close to my birthday. So, but yeah, okay. No, I, I imagine that that does sound like something that may well have happened, Max. <laughs> but it's important to have a plan, I guess. You got, you know, it's yeah, important. A three-year plan. Yeah, exactly. Quite clearly, they are no longer together. Uh, Millwall Chris, <laughs> on... <laughs> you shocked me. <laughs> Millwall Chris on Twitter at Millwall Chris One. He says here, back on Valentine's in the year two thousand, my first wife and I had our first official date. Even though we had known each other for quite a while, we're still married to this day. I call her my first wife because I'm still waiting for her to change her mind and leave. <laughs> Why? Brilliant. <laughs> I, I love, I love that that ending though, because you 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 lead you in thinking that there's a reason why they've split up and this is the reason why. And no, he's he's, he's stuck with a through thinking thing. That's brilliant. Yeah, uh, Millwall Chris did continue. He sent me a DM as well, Maxie, because he's restricted character wise as well. I guess on Twitter, he says here. Not really a Valentine's story, but I was engaged to a girl and we broke up and she ended up marrying one of my mates. Many years later, they broke up and he ended up working with a few people I knew. One of them asked, how do you know then? How do you know him then? And he's towards reply, I used to sleep with his wife. (laughs) (laughs) And then just casually walk away. He left it weeks before he told him the full story. Wow. <laughs> you imagine wow. the gossiping going on. You know, everyone popping out for a cigarette. Oh, he used to sh- used to shag his wife point. <laughs> That's I mean, yeah, where to uh, to get your name around a, a new workplace, I suppose. Mm, yeah, I suppose. Uh Steve O, good friend of the show. <laughs> total Steve O. Another quality one. When strap I, yourselves when in, strap yourselves in. in. He says here, Blimey. Well, seeing as it is Valentine's Day, I'll give you a story. So an ex I got, I got her her favourite flowers, lilies, and a giant teddy. The irony is I played with a teddy a lot, and I quote, you wrestle more with that bear than you spend time with me, is one of the girls said to him. I guess it was one of the massive, huge sort of person-sized jobs, you know? I, I, I'm picturing it as being a really small one. Like oh, a really okay. Cuddly yeah. cute, and him just booting it around the room, kind yeah. of like Kurt Zuma and his cat. Yeah, except the teddy went over. The teddy made him tap out and pinned him every single time. But Steve-O, because he's like, you know, tenacious, never gave up, kept going back for another rematch. And this little tiny burst, you know, busting out like the Boston Crab and stuff, got Steve-O tapping out every time. That's how I picture it in my head anyway. The perennial jobber, Steve-O. Yeah, that's it. Getting beaten by a six-foot-tall teddy. Steve-O continues... That was one of the several reasons she broke up <laughs> a few weeks later. That that line just tickles me, though. This was just the straw that broke the camel's yeah. back. <laughs> there were multiple issues, weeks. but this was the one that killed it. I wonder if she broke up with him because of the wrestling or because he couldn't win. <laughs> yeah, because he was just a jobber. Yeah, he, 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 he took on the loser's share of the purse and she was fuming. Yeah. I want new earrings. Oh, you've lost again. Bloody hell, the teddy's like, you know, made you tap out for like the fourth week running when you're going to learn or something, you know. <laughs> uh, he said he's mentioned before he's had hundreds of online dating dates. Majority end up going one or two ways. You either A, never see them again, or B, sleep with them that night and never see them again. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. See, online dating is something that I've never experienced because nope, obviously the, the age I'm at, it wasn't really a thing back in the day. And I've been with Sharon now, well, we've been married 10 years this year. So it's not like it's something that sort of crossed over when I would have been out and about, you know, meeting girls. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the whole the whole like idea of it 
swiping one direction to another based on someone's picture and so on. That, that, that sounds horrific to me. Yeah, I mean, just the instant judging of somebody based on looks is just... I mean, I know we all do it. We claim that we don't, but we do. But to physically look at a picture and go, eh, Munter, and swipe right, yeah, yeah. that's... Yeah, I, I've never, ever done anything uh, in, in terms of online dating. Me and Mrs. Magza, we'll be married 20 years next year so oh, that that has uh totally passed me by i mean i'm from an age where you 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 paid like for an article in a newspaper the lonely hearts column and it it was about a quid a word so you you keep your your interactions as brief as possible fancy date ring me number father there you go <laughs> is that what you did is that how you met mrs max <laughs> no, no, no! I've never done that. I've never, I've never done the lonely house. Uh, I've been. I bet you did. I bet you did. Absolutely did not. I promise you. Um, Little yeah. round-headed Burnley fellow seeks a compa- <laughs> seeks companion to go to Turf Moor on cold Tuesday nights. And that's where that's where that's where Jar got the idea. It seen yeah. me. It seen it worked for me ten years before, and he thought he'd pull it out of the bag. There you go. Uh, Steve O'Carrizon. I'm sure we'll hear Max. <laughs> Oh, he carries on. <laughs> when he's asked his thoughts on this, and it'll be the same as me. Valentine's Day is a load of commercialised bullshit. I'm working mm-hmm. in retail, seeing the amount of flowers that don't sell, reducing down to pennies days after, says a lot about what people think of the day. Yep, he's absolutely right. It's very commercialised. It's always mm. been commercialised. I, I, I point blank tell uh, Mrs. Mags, don't get me anything for Valentine's Day because I don't... You don't need a specific day to say, this is the one day I will profess my love to you. Um, I tell her that every day, um, because I'm sweet like that. But I do like, uh, and we mentioned it when we were talking about uh, birthdays and and Christmases, uh, I get the the joy and the pleasure from from seeing other people have smiles on the face and really enjoy themselves. So I'll spoil Mrs. Mags on Valentine's Day. Uh, So I'm, I'm almost like, I'm two-faced like that, I suppose. It's a paradox. <laughs> um, I hate it for me, but I know she loves it, so I, I make that compromise. See, for me, it's it's a funny one, really, because me and me and Sharon have never really done Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to my previous Valentine's Day with Sharon shortly, but we've never really done it. But in the last few years, I have picked her up a little something, whether it's just a little patch of flower, a bunch of flowers or, or whatever. And she'd always go, oh, I haven't got you nothing. And I'd be like, ha-ha, I win. You know? This year, we sat there and I said, we're not doing Valentine's, are we? And she went, oh, of course we're not. Uh, I come downstairs earlier on to a card, the sneaky bitch. You know? <laughs> <laughs> on, val- on Valentine's Day as well, and you're calling her that, and you... you mm. So this year, Sharon heathen. won Valentine's, because you know, it looks like it's rapidly turning into a competition in our house. <laughs> Uh, UTT Rob of the fantastic UTT podcast mm-hmm. with our good friend Dan Griffin his host is there as well he says he got a laptop today from his missus so yeah he says he's winning yeah and it's, I, I am always uh, shocked and surprised when I hear of fellow podcasters who don't ha- own a PC who who do it all by the phone? I mean, uh, a, a really good example, probably the best example in our group is uh, James from uh, Primetime Conversations, formerly that '90s wrestling podcast. 
all his content he does on his phone. Like all the stuff oh, okay. with Caf- the Cafe de René stuff, all the, the, the interviews, yeah, it's all done by phone. Um, I don't know how he pulls it off. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm always blown away when somebody puts out a, co- a content, especially as good as, uh, as, uh, as Unbooking the Territory is, um, on the phone. Yeah, it's, it's shocking, but yeah, that's why it's one. No, I got my laptop that Sharon got me for Christmas uh, a couple of years ago. I think it was Christmas on my birthday, a couple of years back. And that's basically everything for me now. That's, you know, recording, you, that's you laugh. editing, ev- everything's on this laptop, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And lastly, lastly from the CWF, this is via WhatsApp from Mr. Willis. Oh, here we go. So he says here, not just one date, but the first two dates. 26th of November, oh, that's my little brother's birthday. 26th of November, 2018, 12 minutes past three. Yes, it is stuck in my head that well. Having matched two weeks previous on Tinder. See, there you go, the online dating again, isn't it? Yep. Just, it's a foreign concept to us old mm. footy duddies. Is Tinder the one, right, where it like literally pings when somebody else who's on Tinder is in the same area as you? I think you might be thinking of Grinder. Is that Grinder, is it? Because I'll tell you what, right, if I had that when I was younger and it, you know, it just mm. pinged, if there was a lass in the I, same boozer as me, I'd have been a right whore, you know? I would love for you to to have a grander account you would be you would be just inundated with dates i guarantee yeah, but, it yeah but grinder is for the gay gentleman isn't it mm-hmm. okay well I, you know i'm not you'd gay. be a bear i'd be a see you know i've been called that before i call that before the, the football club when, I, when we used to run the football club one of the pubs we operated at was ran by two gay guys and they used to stop back sometimes to have a drink with us after the game. And they were they were an absolute, they were fantastic people. Loved them. The one guy was massively into his football. The other fella wasn't as much, but he was like more involved in just having a laugh and a joke with, with the mm-hmm. guys and all that sort of stuff. And they both for one point said that I would be a, um, referred to as a bear in their circles. And I was a bit like, oh, okay. Then there's Growler. Okay, I'm, Matt says in the chat there. I'm not sure about that. Bear on the loose. Bear on so- the, I'm going to get a t-shirt, mate. <laughs> So that is your homework for, for next week. I've got to have a grinder account. Open a grinder account. I'm not sure that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Apparently, Growler is for bears and cubs. I mean, that the connotations of that sounds a little iffy. Yeah, okay. So educate us here, Mr. Willis, whilst you're in the chat. It's a world that I don't fully understand. Yep. Um, a bear in in, in the, you know, the, the gay circles, I guess, is some is a big hairy bloke so i'm going by that purely because that's what i was referenced as is a cub a young hairy kid or something or like a teenager or something just a very astute <laughs> i don't know i generally don't know scottish, scottish danny and uh and sharon having a brilliant uh conversation in the chat one of uh scottish danny's neighbors is named tinder and every day uh, he gets room for it, and Sharon comes back with this glorious, glorious uh, message. Scottish Danny, for his pleasure, as in rib. <laughs> rib for her pleasure. Ew. Wake world, wake world, party time, excellent. <laughs> so, a cub is somebody who's a bear in training, okay? Uh, okay, so they haven't like grown their beard out and stuff yet, I'm mm. guessing. 
Yeah, fair enough. Just can't grow that bit there. This bit yeah. doesn't attach and it's all yeah, that yeah. spotty. Yeah. yeah, mine used to be like that. Secret is not to cut these bits, just let them grow over the top. And no <laughs> <laughs> if, he, if he has a beard shave, he's just got one long moustache that, yeah. that swears in the breeze. <laughs> no, that's it, mate. That's it. So this is like actually been trimmed back because I had to go to that interview, didn't I? And then when I got in the interview, the bloke actually mentioned my beard in the interview. And so they got loads of blokes who have massive beards. And I'm thinking, great, I don't need to cut my beard then, did I? Brilliant. But there we go. There we go. Anyway, back to Matt Willis's story. Having matched two weeks previously on Tinder, you think get sidetracked quite easily, don't we? Let's be honest. We, do. we certainly, <laughs> certainly do. Uh, with me even using the super like function, best £5 I ever spent. Again, this is, I don't understand. I'm going to have to do a lot of research into this. I was sitting in our Weatherspoons. Stop it. Stop it. I was sitting in our Weatherspoons called the Moon and Starfish. I waited maybe <laughs> 15 minutes. No. <laughs> the Moon and Starfish. Brilliant. I waited maybe oh. 15 minutes and then Chris turned up. After we'd made small talk, we started to talk about our common interests, one of which was gaming. As we talked about the games we played growing up, I mentioned that I played F-Zero X on the Super Nintendo. I think I actually remember that game. That's such a good game. Yeah, I think I remember that one, Matt. Yeah. It takes a lot for me to remember a game, so it must have been good. Um, it was at that point Chris started to laugh. He told me I was wrong and that I couldn't possibly have done so. I disagreed and said I was definitely right. He then did the exact same thing uh, I would normally to do to prove I was right. He opened Check up his Google. phone. Yeah. yeah, quickly Googled it and shoved the screen in my face while smirking. So at this F- point, F Zero, the original was on on Super Nintendo. Was it okay? I mean, it was like the three D kind of flying space game. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. At this point, I knew I wanted to see him again. He was the perfect match for me. It's because he put you in your place, mate. He, he, he beat you at your own game, mate. It was yeah. meant to be, wasn't it? <laughs> so you know? Matt's whole point of him, his relationship with Chris is because he's got a, he's Chris has got one up on him, and Matt needs to get his win back. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Bear with me just one sec. I'm going to have to open it up elsewhere because it's over two screens. Wow. Jesus Christ. Uh, whilst, we whilst we're doing that, then we can just uh, go back to the chat. Uh, and Dan, great man's thinking like, sir. Someone was having a laugh using Moon and Starfish in the same pub name. Exactly the way it broke me. Oh, you can be as rude as you like with me. <laughs> anyway. Matt says, he then added Chris on Facebook, like you do. I started looking through his pictures. So it sounds a bit like a stalker now, Matt. Yeah. But anyway, it worked out well, in the end. Know. So don't worry about it. It worked out. <laughs> Did it? <laughs> he said that his mum, he'd seen that his mum had liked some of Chris's pictures. Puzzled, he called her up. Turns out she'd worked with Chris's mum for nearly 20 years. Why? That's insane. And spoke very highly of not just Chris, his mum, but the whole family. And she wasn't wrong. The following Tuesday, we proceeded to our second date, which happened to be in December, and we had the full roast and desert, desert, dessert, sorry, not desert option, (laughs) full full roast with sprinkling of sand. There we go. (laughs) I'll have the Sahara milkshake and a handful of sand. Thanks very much. Um, (laughs) It was a a full roast and dessert option. Why am I struggling with that word? Still nearly got it wrong. Has he spelt it right? Two S's. D-E-S-S-E-R-T. Yeah, so it's you. Yes. Why can't I say that word? That's not even like a difficult word. Why can't I say dessert? I don't know, sir. I just did say it then. You did. Yeah, You did say it. I did say it. (laughs) We had a full roast and dessert option at the local Toby Carvery. Ironically, we live opposite that one now. 
During the meal, I asked the waiter if the sponge had any fruit in it. Since I already knew Chris didn't like fruit in a sponge, to which the waiter said, I don't know, I didn't cook it. It prompted the two of us to share stories about when we'd worked in kitchens before, and we found out we'd worked at McDonald's at the exact same time, but in neighbouring stores. Oh, okay. I'd even covered shifts in his store and never actually met him. The old butterfly effect. At the end of the evening, we shared our first kiss. We courted for the next three months... You courted? What we is courted fucking hell, Matt. Are you, are you <laughs> meeting him in 1952? <laughs> <laughs> when, when you kissed, did your monocle drop? <laughs> uh, until 16th of February 2019, when we became official. So in a two days' time, we would have been a couple officially for exactly three years. That is an absolutely fantastic story, and I'm glad it's the last one we've got from the CWF. But it's a positive one, Max. It I think is. that is awesome. And I think it's crazy the way that their mums worked together and mm-hmm. they crossed paths potentially in McDonald's but didn't quite meet and so on. And they've ended up together and obviously both are incredibly happy and it's meant to be. So absolutely fantastic stuff, mate. Yeah, it's almost like Sleepless in Seattle. Such a great love story. Or more like Sleepless in Clacton, I suppose. But yeah, um, knowing Matt throughout all this period and getting to know Chris uh, as well, yeah, it, uh, I've never... Uh, known two people as loved up as those two yeah they're a uh, they're a, a match made in heaven and yeah I'm so so happy for the guys yeah yeah it's great stuff man. it's great stuff uh so Maxie, have you got anything to add yourself uh no do you know i i am just um a, a romantic when it comes to giving presents uh to to mrs mags I used to have a, a fascination of getting her the biggest cards that you could get. Um, and there's a reason, uh, and, and if she's listening, uh, soz. But it's we had a card shop in the middle of, uh, of Berlin Town Centre that uh, sold huge Valentine's Day cards, but they were always 99p. Like, okay. So, so That's good. It, was That's on, good. it was on the cheap... They're actually cheaper than the standard size cards, but they're classy. And I would spend like a couple of hours writing a huge poem or or, uh, all the reasons why I love her through it. So it was all filled out. Yeah, I can lay it on. I can lay it on with with a trowel when I need to. But the shop uh, closed, or it switched owners, and you couldn't get the 99p cards anymore. Um, so those kind of got faded out. Um, so what I then did, I started getting her flowers delivered uh, to to her work. Uh, and then we've kind of upped the ante since then. Uh, we've we've uh, gone uh, away on, on uh, weekends away, took her to Amsterdam a, a couple of times, and now it's every year she gets jewellery, so yeah, it cost me an absolute fortune, and I, I just wish I could go back to those days of a 99p uh, giant card. I bet you could probably get some of that out online, didn't you? You know, and she, you know, you, you'll get away with it, because she don't listen to this crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She actually listens through the walls because she says, oh, you were talking about such and such a thing today. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. She's like, Hello, Mrs. Mags. With a glass up against the wall. <laughs> They're mentioning me. Yeah. Hi, Mrs. Mags. Hello. Hope you're well. 
Yeah, so I'm, I tend to spoil Mrs. Mags, even though I'm I'm not a lover of of the whole commercialisation of, of of Valentine's mm. Day. So I'm as two faced as they come. Fair enough. Um, one Valentine's Day back in my, I suppose I would have been a teenager. It ended up being Valentine's Day on the weekend, and we went out for my birthday, um, and I was sick on my girlfriend at the time. Brilliant. Which was Classic. enjoyable. So yeah, that that stands out as being a Valentine's night that maybe didn't go quite well. Literally just rolled over and went, Bleh! and out it was there all over. <laughs> this is what yeah. I think of you. Yeah, and maybe misjudged how much alcohol ah. I consume. Yeah. I love you. Happy Valentine's Day! <laughs> I'm throwing up loads of sand because I had the Sahara Desert dinner. <laughs> Um, <laughs> who knew you was allergic to sand well there you go uh, me and Sharon's first Valentine's Day we spent in the I think it was the Birmingham NEC and we watched a triple bill of Testament, Megadeth and Judas Priest <laughs> A great time. I don't know about Shah, but I had a great time. <laughs> it was the best Valentine's Day yeah. ever. <laughs> yeah, no, she said at the, said at the time she enjoyed Megadeth. Testament were pretty dire, to be fair, but and I probably, probably proposed as well. Brilliant. Yeah, I was, I was a serial proposer in my youth, Max. <laughs> just to everyone. Just, just, I've just never met you before. Thanks for delivering my pizza. Want to get married? No, no, because that's 30 minutes late and it's cold, isn't it? <laughs> But at least it learned to piss up a roll. Exactly, exactly. There we go. Ah, ah, Sharon in the chat. She had so many bruises that day and not the good kind. That's because we were moshing about, wasn't it? You know, priests are amazing. And Megadeth, I love Megadeth. No, no I, I dare say you were moshing about. She was getting beat from pillar to post, I mm, think. Potentially. We haven't been together that long. A few months, I think, maybe. <laughs> How have you survived? I don't How? know, honestly. I don't know. She must be a masochist. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, Matt Willis in the chat there asking how many times did I propose uh, to Sharon? I don't know, three or four. <laughs> and it was like, nah. The rule nah. was, I had to, the rule was, I had to do it sober, so that was always a struggle. Because <laughs> he was never sober. Exactly. And Sharon there in the chat as well saying, our first Valentine's Day as a married couple was seeing one of her favourite bands, Black Valvoids, and that was a good show as well. I was pleasantly surprised by that. Even though we felt ancient because we got there and the whole place just smelled of B.O. and the monster energy drink, and we realised that the band has got a huge fan base in, like, 15, 16-year-olds. Oh, wow. So we were just kind of... There's nothing cringier than parents rocking up to a kid's gig. Well, there were parents there that took the kids... Just we re- were there reading in the corner <laughs> yeah we were doing there. a crossword they, they all stood at the bar like you know doing cross dips and, you know, like, just knitting and stuff you know? <laughs> all with headphones on to drown yeah. out that horrific music they're all stood at the bar and then you know me and Shah go get a drink and they're sort of going oh yeah my daughter's over there and we're like yeah we're, we're not with any kids we're here to see the band yeah, so. <laughs> I, I bet you look like I bet you got some funny looks like yeah, potentially. It was a good show, though. Really good show. Really good show. Glad you enjoyed it. And Matt saying that he's proposed five times. To, I hope to Chris or to to multiple people. Matt, let us know. Mm, yeah, definitely. Uh, that's that's it, then, mate. I suppose that's it for all our non wrestling nonsense. Shall we talk a little bit of graps? 
Let's do it. Well, scraps is a it's a loose term for this pick, mm. but we will get there. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. So, our link in the chain this week is something that we we put up um, because we were looking for dire wrestling matches. We were mm-hmm. looking for. We, we, me and Magsy agreed we'd seen a lot of great stuff recently. And part of this show isn't just enjoying great wrestling, it's laughing at the nonsense. So we asked everyone out there to put forward some suggestions for awful times, uh, awful matches, awful segments, anything at all. Um, and then Magsy and I both picked one each. The option I picked from you wonderful lot, which was put forward by our good buddy Chris, wasn't it, Mags? Is that right? It was. Uh, yeah. At not... B- BFC Chris underscore or whatever mm-hmm. his, uh, his handle is this week. Yes, it changes quite regular. But <laughs> yeah, his choice I selected to put up on a poll, and you all voted for this to be the winner. So we head back to the October the 2nd, 2000 episode of Monday Nitro. We are in Russo days here. He is going into the show. Actually, Vince Russo is the WCW world champion. Yes, it's that time. Yes, it's around that time. Uh, The main event, the title effectively is vacated by Russo on this show. And the main event ends up being between Booker T and Jeff Jarrett Mm -hmm. to decide who's going to be the the new WCW world champion. But obviously you can't have just a wrestling match. You are cutting out a lot of the the intricacies of this storyline there, sir. Is um, it that intricate, Mags? Is it? Well, I mean, first of all, how how uh, Russo got hold of the title, that's, oh, yeah. that was shocking. This is not my wheelhouse whatsoever. So seeing Russo at the beginning of this show essentially vacate the title, it was, I'm, I'm going to have to look back and find out how he got hold of that belt. And he got hold of it by getting his ass whooped in a, in a cage match mm-hmm. and then being speared through the cage before Booker T was able to escape the cage and able to is very, very loose because he had about an hour yeah. that he could have got left that cage. The gate was wide open. He allowed Goldberg into the cage in the first place. Um, yeah, it was a ridiculous, ridiculous it's, setup. It, just looks, it made Booker T look stupid. Because yeah. Goldberg's music hits, and he is—he is basically his nose is against the cage. Mm-hmm. He is that close to the door. You know, if he coughed, the sprays hit in the, the fence. That's how close yeah. he is, right? Goldberg's music hits. He stops and waits and waits and waits, and then lets Goldberg in, and then Goldberg spears Russo through the cage to the outside, and Russo wins the title. And then, and then Booker and Goldberg essentially hug. Oh well, all like half hour each other about it. It's ridiculous booking. Yeah. But we get to the week after, and um, Russo is saying he's he knows he's not a wrestler. He's vacating the title, um, and then Goldberg wants to beat the living piss out of him. I, I didn't delve into why, uh, and I, I don't intend to. Um, so he leaves, leaving above average Mark Sanders in charge. <laughs> Brilliant, um, with Jeremy Borash as like the spa in the background, mm. um, and. Um, there is a lot of kind of vying for um, for uh, Mark Sanders to make some decisions. Kevin Nash is uh, annoying him quite a lot all throughout the show. But we have uh, Jarrett and Stana as a tag team for some reason. Who knows? And then we have um, Booker and Sting aligned. 
and Mark Sanders being the the the, the Vince Russo wannabe that he is decides he's going to split those teams, have them uh, partner up with each other. And the winners of a, of a tag team match between those two teams will then face each other for the for the vacated title at the end of the show. So we end up with a with a Stana and Sting teaming up against Booker and Jarrett, and Booker and Jarrett uh, end up facing off in in mm. in what can only be called a a dog shit match. <laughs> yes, it was called a um, San Francisco 49ers match. Was the name of the stipulation, wasn't it? For the wow. only the only link was I'm sure that was the show from San Francisco. It was in the Cow Palace, I think. Yeah, that's right. Um, which ironically they had packed out two years before to the rafters, and then the year before that they uh, almost packed it out. And on this show which was a, 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 a weekly taping, so the price of the tickets were cheaper than pay-per-view, they, they only had 2,000 fans, yeah. and most of them were, were paper tickets. So, yeah, this was, uh, this was the death knells of, 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 of WCW, and this is one of the reasons why. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Some of the... I think Russo gets a bad rap, okay? Let's, I'm going to throw this out there now. Just to get it out of the way, because I am also going to end up slagging him off at some point as well. But I think Russo gets a bad rap. Everyone remembers the the, the horrible ideas or the things that didn't work or whatever. Russo has also done a great deal of positive in the wrestling business to me. He was in charge. He was booking it with TNA for a long time mm-hmm. when TNA did some brilliant stuff, some some great television, and Russo was heavily involved in all of that. Some of his WCW stuff was all right, you know. It's not people always look back at the end of WCW and think, "Oh man, that's shockingly bad." There's a spell that is shockingly bad, of course there mm-hmm. is, but it picks up before, you know, before it actually goes out of business. And part of that is under Russo's reign. It does actually pick up towards, you know, before he actually leaves, and then the company goes on and, you know, eventually goes out of business in 2001. And obviously, he was involved in some brilliant stuff for the WWF people saying oh you know it's uh he was he needed a filter he needed this he needed that whatever he was involved he had ideas you know and you listen to russo now he's almost become a caricature of himself i guess when you listen to him on podcasts or interviews but there's a weird to me there's almost like a weird likability to him because he sells himself as as, as this kind of underdog or, or this victim quite often and sometimes if you listen to him enough you kind of fall into that trap but on I, the other side of the I, coin, I don't think it's a trap. I think he it's, uh, he makes a lot of salient points. He he is a character. Uh, don't get me wrong. He, he he certainly does embellish a lot, uh, and he he does paint himself as as a, a perennial mm. victim. But I do think he gets uh, an unfair hard time. And as Matt has said in in the chat, the numbers don't lie. That Russo either stabilised the rating or increased it when he was in charge. Yeah. And yes, he there was a lot of shit thrown at the wall. I get that. We uh, we we have made a essentially a podcast built on laughing at a lot of Russo's ridiculous ideas. But what people don't uh, don't take into account is the amount of. Uh, of of people he had to deal with when he was in charge at WCW, the amount of uh, uh, of uh, big egos that he had to yeah. had to fend with, 
in WWF, yes, he had that filter uh, with Vince McMahon, uh, and but Vince kind of has always ruled with an iron fist, so there was never that kind of uh, that backstage uh, politicking as there was in WCW 2000. Um, that must have been so hard work to deal with, keeping all those people happy, juggling all those balls, and then having to write entertaining um, TV. Yeah, I can see why he struggled to make uh, coherent TV. But we're talking about it 20 years later, and yeah. it's still it's as bad as the, the, the wrestling is and as how nonsensical it is, it's still fun to watch. You mm-hmm. still enjoy watching it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you mentioned about the egos in WCW as well. I think it's spot on. He had loads of nonsense to deal with with Hogan. Nash is hanging around and he's notorious for being difficult, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And then even even an idea that I think could have been really, really good if it was allowed to allowed to run, if it, if it had the legs to just keep going, the sort of the whole reboot thing, which seemed daft initially, resetting the company and t- stripping everyone of the belts. But that sort of thing doesn't just become a success overnight. It needs that longevity to the storytelling to get into why, why that first point of point of contact with that storyline would work, but you wouldn't find out later until later on. But by that point, you had Bischoff hanging around behind him again as well. Yeah. And you know, it's, it must've been an incredibly difficult working, but I don't, I, I, I firmly believe Vince Russo doesn't help himself. I firmly believe no. that, you know, he's, he's, he can be equally difficult to deal with. I, I, you hear stories all the time about how he can fly off the handle a little bit, potentially. He maybe has a little issue controlling his temper sometimes. And with those pressures, you know, put on him, I guess that would be understandable on certain occasions. Yeah. But and, apparently and it, and it, he's also a little bit dishonest. He tells one person one thing, somebody else, something else from the stories you hear. But again, it's, this is the wrestling business. Isn't everyone like that? Yeah, and and you've also got to remember he wasn't just writing Nitro, he was also uh, lumbered with writing Thunder as well, and mm-hmm. then all the pay-per-views, and Thunder was just thrown at him, he was adamant that he's like, no, we we don't want this, we're, we're struggling to write two hours, uh, three hours of Nitro now, we don't want that extra show, but... Um, it, it was essentially on him and uh, and and Ferrara to 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 book essentially six hours of TV a week. Mm. So yeah, Thunder was a bit stuff. earlier, wasn't it? I think Thunder killed off Bischoff, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Or, or contributed to killing off Bischoff's era in WCW first time round because of the Thunder show coming in. But the issue they have on some aspects with Thunder as well is some of these guys had a, a certain number of dates they had to fulfil. Yeah. So if they wrestled on Thunder their dates would disappear quicker. Mm-hmm. So you weren't getting some of the, you know, towards the, the, the later time in WCW, you had guys who, like your, like your Nash and all that sort of stuff, who wouldn't appear on Thunder because you'd want to save their dates for the pay-per-views. For the or like, yeah. yeah. So then, so you, like you, yeah, so you're booking a show that's not getting the ratings because the big names aren't on it. But you can't put the big names on it. Because it's going to affect them out. Yeah, and natural. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, people, you hear people all the time, and I, I hate this statement, but you see it and you read it all the time. People go, that's what killed WCW. And they pinpoint one thing. Hiring Vince Russo, that's what killed WCW. Or they go, the finger point of doom, that's what killed WCW. Thursday Night Thunder, that's what killed WCW. And they pinpoint one thing and say, that's, event, that's, that's what actually did it. as a butterfly effect from there and that's what did it. It's not one thing. It's a collection of so many different things. So many bad decisions, yeah. Over several years that 
eventually totally caught up with the company and just just rotted it from the inside effectively you can't pinpoint one two or three things without branching off from that and discussing more and more of those things yeah because everything went hand in hand with something else that was equally as part of the downfall of the company yeah you're absolutely right. Um, a lot of the time, the left hand didn't know what the right hand was doing. Uh, WCW was used as uh, as almost as like as a money laundering outfit because they were making huge amounts of profit, which was then being passed through uh, other struggling areas of, of Turner, uh, which made WCW look like they were hemorrhaging money when that wasn't the case at all. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was just a crazy time and just, just so much going on that was just insane. But that whole that's why I find WCW right from like, you know, Jim Crockett promotion days, NWA through WCW, through the Nitro era and to the end and so on. I find that whole company so fascinating because there were so many different eras of bad management which led into another era and then the story of how it went from Jim Jim Crockett promotions into WCW, Turner getting involved. I absolutely fascinating tale and as uh scottish danny says in the chat there yes we will be looking at it all with nitro nights me and scottish danny every week looking back at a new episode of wcw nitro thunder whatever it's going to be great and now uh, dan is uh, saying that he knows uh if you need any rating stats he knows a guy with a spreadsheet uh who may have recently picked up a a new laptop so he can oh, email so, it to you oh that'd be lovely yeah that'd be lovely i'll, I'll look out for that um magsy should we get to the match then yeah i mean we have to it's the point yes. of the show <laughs> i think the the, the the concept of the match, the, the the idea of the match, is actually not that bad an idea in in principle. It, it's a well used uh, Vince Russo trope now, uh, a meme of things on poles. Um, it's just the. I agree with you. I think the the idea it, it, it's very similar to the feast or fraud idea that TNA used later on. Yeah, but that idea worked because it, it they kind of. Um, they at least trialed it. This didn't work because it, the 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 setup to it was was horrific, and we will definitely get to to why. Um, yeah, it was just it was fucking ridiculous. Yeah, and it I, basically the, the principle of the match is there's a pole on each corner, mm-hmm. and on the top of each pole is a box. Well, not even on the top, really. Half it's a game from the so the the poles are essentially L shaped. They go behind the ring post and then come uh, essentially to hanging yeah. uh, a chain over the the post, and the chain is is connected to a wooden box. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it kind of hangs down. I suppose if if, if if you've not seen it, if you picture a wrestler stood on the top rope, it would be kind of I suppose chest level ish, Magsy. Would that be right to say? Maybe just a little bit higher because uh, when Booker goes for one of them, uh, it kind of sways a little bit. So it's uh, mm. around, I'd say, neck, maybe head height. So yeah. they they they're well within reach for for that wrestler to be able to to pull down, but they don't really need to. No, no, that's that's something we're going to come to in a moment. The, 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 the idea is that each box has something in it. One of them is the World Heavyweight Championship, and whoever finds the world title is the champion. Yep. Simple as that, Magsy, isn't it? And then there's other things that people could use as weapons. It, it's sold on the show, isn't it? I mean, is there? Mm, is there? Is there? And we get to the first box very early, don't we? I mean, let's be honest, we start off... <laughs> 
It's so bad. It's terrible. <laughs> so we get a little bit of a um, of grappling, I suppose, a, a, an attempt at grappling. Then we get a. a <laughs> I think it's Booker T ends up getting whipped into the corner yeah. or whipped against the ropes. And the box just falls on the floor, just comes away from the chain and yep. falls on the floor. Brilliant start to this amazing gimmick. Now that, to me, like I said, to me, it seems that like we, we opened the first box very early in the match. It makes me wonder, I mean, was you it You don't have a choice. Yeah, that's I the thing. Like, I think you... Ha- this this match, and I've got to give props to Booker and, and Jeff... You can tell they knew that this was going sideways from the very first minute, and they at least made it entertaining to watch uh, mm. because this fucks up royally very, very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Well, the first box falls. Jarrett jumps out the ring, grabs the box, breaks it up a little bit to take out the uh, the supposed weapon that is hiding in the box that the wrestlers can use, or maybe even the world title. You know, mm. can you imagine that if he sent him into the other corner and the world title fell out that quick? And it was just it was just over. The match was done then. I mean that it'd be a um a damp squib of a match. You would think that at least I mean, I can't promise it happened, but you would think they would have at least told them which ta- which box had the title in. Surely. Mm. Yeah, you think so. Yeah, but it just fell down by accident and the match was over. That'd just be like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just fuck it, I'm going, bye bye. Yeah, that's it. I've earned my check this week, I'm going on. Yeah. <laughs> well it's not the title anyway, it's not the world title in the first box. It's an inflatable doll. It is. I mean, that well-known we wrestling weapon. We've we've actually missed one of the funniest parts of of the the whole uh, match for me when Booker T takes his t-shirt off and gives it to uh, a lovely uh, oh, elderly yeah. woman in the crowd, and Jeff Jarrett comes and threatens to give her a backhand, and she starts whipping him with the t-shirt. <laughs> it's, if you've ever seen uh, uh, the the Secrets of Wrestling uh, documentary, she is the stunt granny. She is the perfect stunt granny. It's brilliant. Fantastic. I love stuff like that, man. Like yeah. when um, Hogan was like the, just out of reach for that old lady who was trying to punch him when he turned, turned into the, you know, joined the NWO. It's just great stuff, mate. Great yeah. stuff. Uh, the second, I mean, not a lot goes on early on other than opening a couple of boxes, Mags, really, does it? Mm-hmm. The second box gets opened quite quickly. It is. And that, um, the shock on Booker's face when he opens the box. Uh, I think uh, this is. Um, no, this isn't the box that he actually struggles opening with. This one is he, he actually opens it pretty fine, but he opens it up and he finds inside a picture of uh, of Scott Hall. Yeah, I mean, it, at least he can use this one as a weapon, though. Yeah, because he, he, he levers it, he, doesn't he? He gets to uh, he gets to slam Jarrett with the picture, but yeah, uh, not going well so far. Zero and two mm. uh, in these boxes. Yeah. We then get a bit of action on the outside of the ring, don't we? They're, they're fighting around the uh, the outside of the ring. I love the crash mats in this this era with WCW as well, the flames on. I reckon that always mm-hmm. looked really striking, looked really cool. There's a pile driver on the announce table as well, Magsy. That's all. And that is a Japanese announce table because yeah, that didn't they were, sell it. <laughs> they, they, it didn't move. You could you just could have just wiped the scratch off. It was absolutely fine. But it leads to Jarrett being essentially behind the, the announce table. Just have casually having a drink of water, mm. as you do when you when you've just had your brains caved in through a wooden table. The first thing you need is a is a is a good old slug of water, and whilst he's doing that, Booker goes for this third box, 
yes. struggles to grab it a little bit. It starts swaying in, in the in the breeze, I suppose. Uh, and he essentially just punches the box open because he's he knows that this is bullshit has gone sideways. <laughs> <laughs> and in, inside this box is the closest to a weapon that we've had so far. It's well, it's announced as a pair of coal miners' gloves, but it's actually just just one, yeah, one solitary coal miners' glove. Now I have never got the concept of a coal miners' glove match because they are cushioned they, they they will hurt less than hitting somebody with a well, fist the coal miner's glove on the outside of it is supposed to be like chain mail and and and, and metal and stuff isn't it and the okay. inside is like soft and so on but this coal miner's glove looked like it was an another glove it was yeah. another glove yeah it like you know it like booker's about to go take a, a really hot lasagna from the he's middle warming tray. up that pizza that arrived 30 minutes late <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's had to warm it in the oven and he's got the oven glove yeah, so he puts on this grey and almost somewhat sparkly, in a way, oven mitt. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's going to throw a few punches. Jeff Jarrett gets hold of it, and we get a little bit of invention here from Jarrett as well, don't we? He's, he's trying to use like the broken parts of the box as yeah. a weapon and so on, which is quite good. He uses the glove a bit, and he, he just basically goes around beating Booker T up for a period. Uh, and then we get a sleeper spot. Here we do. With Double J putting the sleeper on Booker T, um, this he's in the sleeper for a little while, and we get the standard. I suppose in my mind, I always think it back to Hulk Hogan, even though it's done before him and done by other people. But when they're lifting up the arm and letting the arm drop, and on the third one, he's the finger comes up. Oh no, I'm not done, and everyone cheers and so on. I always think of that back to Hulk Hogan. But in this situation, why are they doing that? You can only it's, it's they've stated on commentary over and over again. You can win only win the match by finding the title. So what happens if his arm drops the third time? I mean, yeah, counting for the for the for the for the um, the, the knockout wouldn't make sense at all. But again, we're talking about two thousand WCW. Mm. Uh, one thing that we we do get though is that the crowd are massively in Booker T's favour, and you can yes. hear when he's been uh, when he's in the sleeper, the crowd are trying to hype him up, and Mark Madden. God love him. <laughs> He's saying that this crowd is due for Jeff Jarrett. On on no level at all did anybody in this crowd <laughs> cheer for Jeff Jarrett. So, yeah, yeah great selling by Mark, uh, Mark Madden on commentary, though. Yeah. I, I think he's quite underrated, you know. Whenever I look back on these old Nitros or these old papers from this era, he does make me laugh. Yeah, and when, uh, when we get, uh, go, get the, the pile driver spot, um, he's... He's energetic in, in telling Jeff, go on, Jeff, pal drive him, pal drive him through the table, get him, Jeff, get him. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's good, it's good. We get a, a big crowd reaction because Booker T hits the bookend, which is, I suppose, his version of the, the rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Double J then somehow, I don't know if I missed something here, but he hits the bookend, but we end up with Jeff Jarrett being the one who gets out the ring and starts ferreting around under the ring, trying to get a guitar out, whereas Booker lies down in the ring. So is this where um, Booker uh, does the spinneruna, then goes for the axe kick, the mm-hmm. referee gets in the way, um, as as referees do, uh, and then, I'm sure, did we get a low blow? I think we got a, a low blow. Ah, uh, yes, okay. And then, then Jarrett went out to go and retrieve his guitar. Can't find it or doesn't isn't able to grab it uh pull it out 
he then for some reason thinks yeah okay i don't i don't need the guitar and uh out pops his friend well former friend now mortal enemy uh beetlejuice from the uh the howard stern whack pack so mm. for those who don't know essentially the whack pack was a a group of um freaks as they were they were called then uh kind of uh in the same vein as the oddities uh in wrf but uh you had uh howard the angry i think it was called howard the angry dwarf or alan the angry dwarf uh you had crackhead bill or crackhead yeah. bob <laughs> yeah. um essentially it it felt cringy uh yeah. watching these guys be mocked because there's clearly some severe physical and mental health problems with, with these guys. Uh, Beetlejuice is actually um, uh, a, a black little person, uh, clearly got uh, a lot of health issues. But on the weeks previous, he'd been levelled with, a, with a, a, a guitar bad Jarrett because he called him slap nuts. Oh, was he ever? Have you seen that, seen that guitar uh, shot? Oh, My God. I, I, so, I imagine because the guy is, the guy is shorter... It gives Jarrett more room to swing the guitar because he he nearly kills him. He catches him as well. Not even on the, the I mean the safe way would be to catch the the guitar full on the on the head. So mm. your head's going through the the thin piece of wood. He catches Beetlejuice with the edge of yeah. the guitar. He proper wellies him. But anyway, Beetlejuice is out for it for some uh, for some recompense. He. Uh, punches and this is the best most sold nut shot in the world because he legitimately punches Jarrett in the <laughs> in the bollocks he punches him twice in the bollocks and then the third time he essentially fists him in the ass mm. literally fist right up you cannot see the guy's knuckles um <laughs> which which uh, means that Jarrett goes down he ends up um uh, leaving the ring uh Beetlejuice uh, cross bodies him which is absolutely superb which leaves Booker to be able to get that last box and he gets it and just typical of WCW at this time the belt which is clearly in that box it's the last box the belt yeah. falls on the fucking floor from yeah. the box just the box, falls the bo- the bo- the on the box just floor. kind of opens yeah it just collapses uh, Booker has to then essentially leave the ring to pick up the belt just it's it's daft mm. absolutely daft uh and then in the post match he gets battered by scott steiner with a lip pop brilliant <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that's basically it they go off the air and apparently next week they're broadcasting nitro from australia which as we found out the other week is a made-up place so yeah that kind of concludes the whole craziness doesn't it really a crazy couple of weeks in WCW, but a crazy main event as well. A crazy world title picture and world title match. Uh, Magsy, I suppose we come to the time when we've got to rate it out of 10. What are your thoughts here? Uh, as a wrestling match, this is among the worst we've ever watched. I'm tempted for a zero. I'm Really? I'm that bad? Really tempted, but... The ridiculousness and the, just the, the calamity made it entertaining. And seeing Jeff Jarrett getting punched in the baby makers legitimately is fun. That's hilarious. <laughs> so it's got some entertainment value, but not a lot. So I'm going to go for a two. A two, okay. See, I look back at my other scores, and the one that this makes me think of is 
the very, very first episode of Chain Wrestling when it was a similar sort of time and we had Booker mm -hmm. T against Scott Steiner in a straight jacket steel cage match, another ridiculous, um, crazy stipulation for a title match. I gave that a five, as I think you did as well, Magsy. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we're a year and a half or whatever it is further into the show now, so the ratings are you know, slightly different. We're looking at you know, we're, we're more accustomed to what we're doing. I think maybe I rated that match high because yeah. I, I I regret giving it a five. Yeah, we'll have to revisit it maybe because I enjoyed this more than that straight jacket steel cage match, but this is not a five. No. So I'm contradicting myself, but I think I enjoyed this more than Undertaker versus Yokozuna a lot more. And I gave that a one and a half. Okay. I think I could, I could probably stretch to a two and a half, three, maybe. Okay. Because I think Booker T and Jarrett, as you said several times, Booker T and Jarrett know this is a shit show. They know this has just gone completely sideways. It's gone completely pear shaped. And they actually do quite a bit to try and make it work. Yeah. And they don't they don't succeed in any way, shape, or form. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, their effort, you've got to be, you know, you've got to praise to a degree. So I think I'll tell you what I'm gonna do, Max. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give it a three. There we go. Okay, that's fair. Um I give it a two for a point for each of their work. Um, fair enough. for the for everything else a zero. If it was Dave Meltzer, it would be minus five stars. <laughs> Oh, so there we go. There we go. We've had some some ropey wrestling to watch this week. Where do we go next week? Where do we go? Is it going to be good wrestling, more ropey wrestling, something that we haven't seen before? Who knows? Who knows? Well, you will know in just a couple of minutes. We're going to give our options and you will decide on Twitter. So, Magsy, where would you like to take us this week? Okay, so I've got several links to the next match. So, okay. The next match that I want to visit is WCW. It's WCW 2000. It's Booker T. And it's Jeff Jarrett. Okay. I want to go to Bash at the Beach 2000. Oh. The Chosen One. And I, again, want to break the rules of chain wrestling because I actually want to cover two matches. I want to cover Hollywood Hulk Hogan versus Jeff Jarrett and then, on the same show, Booker T versus Jeff Jarrett, both matches for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Oh, mate, I'll tell you what, I, really, I, I, I would love to talk about that whole thing. And we, and we will, if it gets picked, we will cover um, the 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 post uh, match um, mm. promo by one Vince Russo. Yeah, for those who are unaware, honestly, go and go and check out the story behind Bash at the Beach 2000 in WCW. Mm -hmm. And Bischoff was back on the scene, looking after Hogan specifically. Russo was still booking. They changed you know, Hogan played his creative control card. Apparently, they changed the outcome of a match. Vince Russo didn't like it, and changed the script again after Hogan had already left the building. 
and all this sort of stuff. There's big arguments. Hogan apparently cuts a shoot promo in the ring, live on pay-per-view. How much of that is true, we can look into. This is a fascinating, fascinating event because you're literally on screen. You have paid your pay-per-view rate to watch a company unravel. Yeah. And according to Vince, Vince Russo, this was all scripted. His This whole idea was, was right, um, how he planned it. Uh, but he said the, the, the difference was he didn't ring Hogan the day after like he promised. Um, but we will we will get into the, the nitty and the gritty of that if it wins the poll. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, my link, Magsy, also involves the glorious former mulleted Jeff Jarrett. I thought we've looked at one or two Jeff Jarrett matches, but we've not done a great deal. For somebody who's had such a long career, USWA champion, God knows how many times, WCW runs, WWF runs, then WWE, and, and, and all this sort of stuff. I thought, well, he was also really important in the startup and early days, and effectively then running for many years of TNA, which is now obviously Impact Wrestling. Okay. And we mentioned the other week, didn't we? We've not seen enough from TNA, Stroke Impact, Stroke GWF, or whatever the bloody hell it was called for about three weeks once upon a time. So I started thinking, I'll look at Jeff Jarrett matches in TNA. Which is the the best Jeff Jarrett match from TNA? So I started having a little look at different articles people have written, and and one match kept popping up. And once I'd seen this match as an option, I couldn't really ignore it. And it's going way back in TNA time, so quite early days of two thousand and five. And I would like to watch Jeff Jarrett in the middle of what people refer to as his reign of terror, because it coincided with Triple H's reign of terror on the other channel where it felt like the same way Triple H was in theory, politicking himself to keep the belt. Jarrett had a similar feel to him around this time as well. But he's actually dethroned by a TNA original, as they call them, in a very young-looking AJ Styles. Get ready to fly! TNA Hard Justice in 2005 a very excitable crowd a incredibly talented AJ Styles one of the first times I'd seen AJ Styles wrestle and a guy everyone wanted to see lose the belt lose the belt so that is my option my friend I'd like to go to the NWA world title match for the main event of TNA Hard Justice 2005 Jeff Jarrett against AJ Styles a great pick um, I mean, I am biased. I do want to delve into the the Bash of uh, at the Beach 2000 uh, law, um, but I, I, uh, I'd love to have a conversation like that but, as well. I really but getting to see uh, AJ Styles even before his peak and just how mm. good he was back then. And like you said, uh, Jeff Jarrett, who um, hasn't got the be- best reputation in the wrestling business, uh, Dan Griffin is certainly not a fan, but knew what was right for business at the time and, and sent the fans home happy. So, yeah, um, I'll be happy with either of those picks. And either of those picks are Bash at the Beach 2000, Hogan, Stroke Jarrett, Stroke Booker T, Stroke Jarrett, etc., and all the shenanigans and going on there. We'll just probably put that up as Bash at the Beach 2000 as the name of the option because we're going to be covering so much more around that event if it wins. Or... TNA Hard Justice 2005, Jeff Jarrett versus AJ Styles for the NWA World Title. Um, 
That will be up on our Twitter, sort of Wednesday, Thursday time, after the audio version of the show is out for you all to listen to. Maxi, I suppose that kind of uh, concludes our our wonderful chat this evening. I hope everyone's had a great time. Uh, before we go, can you let everyone know whereabouts they can find you, my friend? Yep, and uh, I've had a great time as always, and, and quite clearly the, the CWF have. Uh, again, we always massively appreciate your support. This show, uh, without your input, would be essentially two middle-aged men shouting in the ether. Uh, so, yeah, we <laughs> we, uh, we will absolutely love you for that. Uh, but I will be back in around 10 minutes or so on this very channel, so stick around. Uh, we'll be covering uh, uh, the Premier League action with, with Matt Willis on the volley. Uh, uh, but if you uh, want to hear more of my dulcet tones, first of all, come and follow me down here on the on the Twitters at PodFatherMags. I'm also on that, that crazy ticky-tocky thing that uh, Sar keeps pushing. Uh, I think it's called, I think I'm called Mags All Pods on there. I don't know. Can't be sure. So just search me and I'm sure you'll find me. Uh, and in terms of content, I'm all over the shop here on Radio Techers, over on uh, the chair shop involved with Visionaries Global Media. Yeah, wherever you can get a podcast, you will hear my voice. There we go. There we go. I changed that attitude as well, Magsy, the other week. I oh, listened yeah, that, to that. That's a show I did. I do. Yes. Yeah. Sorry for now, I, I I went to a job interview the other day. I got the job. Fantastic. I start Monday. Awesome. And it's all the changing attitudes fault. But it meant that yeah. I could have a listen to, to podcasts on the way to and from to and from oh, my interview. Cool. And, I, and I'm going to be catching up on podcasts again properly because I'll be catching the bus to and from work every day. So that's, oh, that's fantastic. That's awesome. Changing attitude I listened to. I caught up. And um, you referred to me as just someone else I do a show with. <laughs> and... And when when they when these people your your fantastic co-hosts there Tanner Danny and Ori I'm not sure Ori was there this week but Ori is fantastic as well responded with oh come on you know size great you said size can eat a big bag of dicks naughty naughty <laughs> did I? Yes, that doesn't yes, sound did. like it was me. <laughs> that 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 went wrong in the editing. I think. Ah, uh, okay. That was that was put I mean, in by somebody I, else doing a Bernie accent. Well, no, I also do the editing. I may uh, have said them things. <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, okay. Well, there we go. It's a great show, anyway. I love a change of attitude. Apart from fantastic. apart from the the personal insults. Yeah, apart from when I get you know dragged over the coals at the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, you can find me on Twitter at SJP words you can find my group i guess is the right term on facebook sjp all the shows and info and via those the twitter and the facebook you can find the links to all the the relevant accounts for chain wrestling the sjp podcast waiting room podcast the quantum leap show which coming back very very soon danny and i are setting up recording sorry danny uh, Benny and oh, I are setting up recording times. Got too many podcasts. Wow, I'm in the mate, fires, uh... I'll be honest with you. I got one show that comes out Tuesday, one show that comes out Thursday. I got one more on my rain this week. I nearly released Nitro Nights on the on the day that was supposed to be the Doctor Who pod because wow. I got confused. Anyway, 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 at SJP Words on Twitter. SJP, all the shows and info on Facebook. There you will find links to the Doctor Who pod I do with Danny. Uh, the Waiting Room, Quantum Leap podcast, coming back very soon for season two with uh, Benny Mac, 
the Nitro Nights podcast looking at WCW week after week with the other Danny <laughs> and anything else I may be involved in. Make sure you check us a follow there. Stick around for the volley in a few minutes with Magsy, Matt Willis and whoever else you may have joining you this week to discuss all the Premier League action, all the football information, chat and gossip you may wish to hear. It is a fantastic show, very informative, brilliant look back on the week of football. Uh, I'm in the chat getting dragged now. My name is Dan, says Dan Griffin. You do Nitro Nights with Danny, you pod slag. Yes, I am a pod slag. Dan, <laughs> I apologise. I referred to both of you as Danny there. It's my my error. I am sorry. Anyway, most importantly, you can find this show at Chain underscore Wrestling on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and that TikTok thingy. Mags, I'm off now to try and find a Ding Dongs t-shirt on eBay. <laughs> I'll speak to you next week, my friend. <laughs> Bye-bye.